where we've kind of been inside of uh, 1 Corinthians before the summer and all of that kind of stuff, walking through it, we've been talking about there's division in the church, and Paul addressed division inside of the church, and and, and a lot of times divisions happen over things that seem gray, uh, seem, things that seem like God doesn't really give a clear definition or a clear defining moment of that. Uh, that was in chapter 1, chapter 2, wisdom from the Spirit. Man, a lot of times the Holy Spirit in that role... Um, However you view the Holy Spirit in your life, he is very much a part of the Trinity. He is the one that Jesus promised would come after he goes into heaven. And he said that he will be a comforter and a guide. And so uh, we talked about wisdom from the Spirit. Um, then Paul, uh, obviously there's a lot of division in the church because he hits it again in chapter 3. Chapter 4, he starts talking about what these apostles are going to do in regards to leading out in the church. Chapter 5 got really fun and we turned up the volume uh, when it came to some of the crazy things that were happening, happening uh, sexually immoral kind of things inside of chapter 5, and then lawsuits amongst believers. So the lawyers in the room, you're like, yeah, lawsuits amongst believers, this is awesome. And then uh, getting married or staying single in chapter 7. And for some of you in the room, uh, I felt like throughout all of the years, I've met a lot of people who were married and wish they were single, a lot of single people that were not married and wish they were. And, and, and inside of all of that, man, Paul is just saying, hey, in the state that you're in, stay there and be happy, be content, find your peace and, and, and do those kinds of things. And if you can stay single, there's so many things that you can do as a single person uh, for the Lord that, that might not rob your time like it does when you get married because you've got family and you've got these other things going on in your life. And so uh, we come to chapter 8 today and it's this gray area and it's about eating food that's offered to idols. And you're like, we're going to kick off a series and talking about food that's offered to idols. I mean, it goes way deeper than that. It goes way broader than that. But it just so happens that that's kind of the topic that he's dealing with inside of this moment. Gray areas in Paul's day, there's been a lot of gray areas that he's still having to address. Why? Because he has a lot of people that are coming out of idol worship, a lot of people that are coming out of backgrounds uh, that maybe aren't things that we have to deal with on the regular, but Paul did. Gentiles, churches, that uh, people inside of their church that are stepping into may, maybe a, a more Jewish setting at times or whatever, but trying to blend those and talking through those. But we're still addressing gray areas today. Maybe that you're in a workplace and you have to address some gray areas at times. But the issue, the leftover meat offered to pagan idols, should a believer eat of it? Here are three questions that, that one writer poses. Can a Christian partake of meat offered to a false god in a non-Christian feast? Maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, what difference does it make, right? Like food is food. I'm going to eat what I, like, uh, if it's offered, if it's there, if it's there. But back in the day in trying to really establish the church, these were things that Paul said, here's a gray area and let's try to put some black and white to it. Second question, can a Christian buy and eat flesh offered to idols? And again, things that you and I, we don't think about. Like we go, maybe you're going to go to Chili's today and you get the burger. Hey, you're not having to worry about did that burger come from a, a cow that was offered as an idol someday. Like you're just hoping, man, I hope that's the best slab of beef possible that's out there. You're not worrying about these things. But back in the day, Paul did. Number three, can a Christian when invited in eat flesh which has been offered to idols? So again, here we are trying to figure out these things. Gray area, obviously, because Paul is addressing it in that moment. 
What are some of the seemingly gray and out of focus areas that are in our day-to-day life? Some of these that I'm going to mention, maybe they're not gray for you, but my bet is is that if we were to do a survey across this or maybe even the Euless campus or maybe even in your job site, wherever it is that you work, some of these, maybe they are... They're, they're, they're so gray that they are rainbow fruit flavors, right? Like, like anybody and everything, wide open, whatever. Shotgun effect, do what you want to do. We've got those kinds of people in our lives. Let's talk through some of them. Drinking. Some of you are like, oh, we just jumped right in, didn't we? For some of you in this room, drinking has become a black and white thing for you. But there are people that probably you might be able to nudge them where you're sitting. And for them, drinking is a gray issue. It's one of those things that God's, God doesn't really paint a picture. Wherever you're at on that, guess what? Drinking and your choice to do that or not is not going to hopefully keep you out of heaven or uh, hopefully you're not trying to lead people away uh, and, and getting them drunk all the time because the Bible does say that we shouldn't drink to get drunk, right? And so uh, we can take that maybe gray area and then figure out, okay, how does God look at that? I mentioned earlier as a sophomore in high school, um, man, we chose as a... Uh, Inside of our student ministry, we chose uh, for some of us to go and drink one night, and it was the dumbest decision that we ever made. It was one of those decisions where in that moment, I had to, that next morning, go and tell uh, my mom and my dad what had happened because my student pastor found out about it. He goes, hey, it just so happens that my mom was his secretary, and he goes, hey, uh, calls me up that next morning, uh, get the phone, like we didn't have cell phones back in the Stone Ages, okay? Um, but, but I get that phone, you know, that weird ringing on the wall, right? And so then I go and answer it. I don't know why. I answered. I would never answer the phone, but I answered that morning, and it was my student pastor. And he said, hey, Kent, heard what happened last night. Either you tell your mom or I will. I was like, ah. Like he knew. Like he knew. He didn't have to say anything. All that I had to do was threaten. He had to threaten me with my mom. Like I would rather get a beating from my dad than anything from my mom. And so I remember that whole morning just trying to figure out, man, how am I going to tell my mom and dad this? How is this all going to work? And so in that moment, like there was this huge thing. Why, is it, why was it uh, definitely black and white at that moment for me as a 16-year-old kid? Students, why would it be a black and white thing? Because it's illegal, right? If it's illegal, if it's immoral, black and white. We don't have to worry about it. But now, man, you hit 21, and then you got to figure out, hey, the whole world says I can go and drink now, but, but is it still the best-case scenario for you? Here's another one. Maybe some of the music that we listen to. I remember being a student pastor at Ridgecrest Baptist Church, and one Sunday morning, uh, again, I followed a 40-year-old guy who was married with three kids. I was 24. And so back in the day, DC Talk was the jam, right, for student pastors. And so uh, so we walked in. They walked in that morning. I had DC Talk uh, blaring Jesus Freak and all that kind of stuff. And one of the people that were in a classroom across the way, like, they were mad and offended. And I'm like, bro, is it like DC Talk, like, this is Christian. Is it? Do you hear the drum beat inside of that song? I'm like, yeah, dude, it's pretty awesome. Like, they were so offended by the drum beat inside of that. I was like, you and I are going to disagree on this. Like, read the lyrics, and then let's figure out, can we care less about drums than the great message that's in there? So, Maybe for some of you, the, the music that's out there, maybe some of you, you, you're black and white on the music that you will allow to be listened to in your house and in your car, that's awesome. But I would venture to say that probably the watching world that's out there, it's great. TV, 
Uh, um, I mentioned at one point in time when American Idol started coming out, I remember men- mentioning it at our church, and uh, somebody said, you're watching that show? I said, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like these guys trying out for, some of them shouldn't even made it because their parents are just dumb and they should never have taken them all that distance because they couldn't sing a lick or whatever. Do you, you realize it says Idol in the title? Yeah. Yes, it does. But they made this huge point that, that our world is trying to make these people idols in our society. I'm like, bro, you took that so further. I, I thought it was just about singing. Like, I'm not going to worship them at all. In fact, I think half of them can't even sing, shouldn't even made it. So more times than not, ask Brooke, I'm making fun of the people. I'm making fun of the parents who actually went with their child and said, hey, you're really great at singing. No, because Simon Cowell's going to be the real truth in their life. It was awesome. So maybe it's, it's TV. Maybe it's the movies. Uh, You can't even go and watch Disney today without an agenda in Disney movies, right? And so uh, growing up, dancing. Maybe you went to Baylor back in the day and dancing was one of those things and it wasn't allowed back in the day and dancing has become maybe for you in all of these years, it's very black and white. We should not dance. Like, like you, you have an issue when you see dancing on TV and then you uh, flip the, the, the screen away whenever or the TV when dirty dancing comes on because you're like, oh, that's so sinful. Like, like you've got this stance on it, smoking. Some of you are like, oh. Smoking will not send you to hell. It just makes you smell like you've been there, all right? <laughs> Some of you are Marijuana. Like, you're like, okay, what happens with marijuana? If you have never been high and you wonder what marijuana smells like, go to Vegas, walk the strip. You'll get high with everyone. Like, you're like, oh. It smells like you ran over a skunk and then you started smoking it. There you go. But for some people, CBD and all that kind of stuff, you're like, hey, marijuana, if it becomes legal here, that means I can jump into it. Does it? Like, like, you really need to have a stand on these things. Like, it, some of the things that are gray to the watching world, I don't think that they're so gray when it comes to us as believers. Gambling. Some of you are like, I'm just going to spend $20 when I go. It's my form of entertainment, Kent. And then you're $200, $300, $1,000 in, you're like, oh, where'd all my money go? I can't even pay my rent. Like, like, it's one of those things that maybe it's a gray area and then all of a sudden you can't pay your bills because you fell into the trap. Like, we sat there in Vegas, like, uh, talk about smelling like you've been there. Like, you walk through any one of those hotels and you see, I mean, they're just sitting there and they're pulling the, they're pulling the arm, boy. They're throwing money. Ding, 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 I'm a ding, dong. Like, they're just going. And you're like, slow down, Betty. It, you're you're going to be good, right? And so anyway, and then you come to this whole love is love movement now. And, and you, like, you've really got to figure out what do you believe God's word says about that and how you love people and how does love really come out in the right form of love. Like, those are all, but I'm telling you, our world is getting grayer and grayer and more rainbowy and more rainbowy than it ever has been. And for us as believers, it's not like we have to to have this staunch, mean, uh, I'm going to stand on this and I'm not going to turn my... Like, you've you've got to be able to share that with people and you've got to do it in a way that proves to them that Jesus loves them. And you've got to be able to say it in a way that when you say it, there's still an open door opportunity to be able to love on them and encourage them and to point them to Jesus. And so uh, some of these gray areas, I believe, are, are areas where we either open the door or we offend the world. 
We either open the door to the world or we offend them completely by the way that we say what we say. And if you're here today and you're a smoker, I love you. I was just making a funny about it's... We cool? All right, just making sure. First Corinthians chapter 8. Let's start in verse 1. Now concerning food offered to idols, there's the gray area. We know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. That's where a lot of us are, right? Like We feel like we've got the inner, uh, the company line for Christians on this. And we are going to stand on this, and we are going to die on this. But here's what it says, is that the knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. Paul is just saying, hey, as smart as you get in life, there's still some things that you don't know. As a 50-year-old man, Kent, there are still things in this world. If you're here today and you're like, man, I'm probably not going to learn anything today. I'm the smartest person I know. I Guess what? Every time that you show up to church, God, through the Holy Spirit, can use his word to show you something, even allow you to hear something that you've never heard before. So just when you think you're smart enough, just when you think you've got it all together, that's when the Holy Spirit does a great work and shows you that you did not know it all. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Praise God, right? Like if you are known by God, like you get to have a relationship with him. And it's all through his son, Jesus Christ. And if you don't know God the way that you know, want to know God, then it may be that you have never surrendered to Jesus first. That's how the relationship really does start. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence. <laughs> so here's Paul. Paul is coming in and going, all of you who used to worship idols, you're idiots. He didn't say that. But my bet is, is that with all of the knowledge that Paul had in his mind, because Let's be honest. Like we look at people at times, maybe we don't say it with our voices, but we say it with our face, right? I'm horrible at it sometimes. Like I'm horrible. And sometimes the inside voice jumps out, right? And before you could catch it, you're like, oh, that was loud. Brooks caught me in that uh, uh, so many times. She's like, that was really loud. I'm like, sometimes it happens at volleyball games. I should probably stop going to volleyball games. <laughs> I was like, oh, shouldn't have said that, right? So, so therefore, as to the eating of food offered idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. And don't we wish that everybody would just understand that there is one God? Don't we wish that everybody on the planet would just surrender their lives to his plan for their life? Don't we wish that everybody on the planet cared about the Bible? Don't we wish that everyone believed in Jesus Christ, his one and only son, when he said that he's the way, the truth, and the life? Man, if you could preach a message to anybody on the planet and be able to tell them you're lost right now, you are heading in the wrong direction because you do not know Jesus as the way, Jesus as the truth, and Jesus as the life. And then all of a sudden, they would have an aha moment and then surrender their lives to him. Man, that's what I have been doing with my life for all of these years, Sunday morning after Wednesday night, after Wednesday night, after Sunday morning, is trying to help teenagers and adults alike to understand that your way, although you may feel it is great, Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life, the only way to get to heaven someday. And Paul is telling them this. He's saying, hey, you missed it with your idol worship. 
You missed it. You had idols for everything under the sun. And then when you didn't know what this one should be, you just made up another one to cover anything that you missed. And what kind of a world is that? There's no absolutes. There's no morality in that. It's crazy to think, but that's where they were. For although there may be so-called gods, little g-o-d-s, in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods, little g, and many lords, little l, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. So Paul's saying, there it is. There's the gray area in that if we as believers who believe there is no stake at all in idol worship, if we start jumping in, then we may lead some of these weaker brothers down the wrong path. And some of you are like, man, Kent, why, why don't you and Brooke, why don't y'all go out and drink and have fun? Um, both of us decided a long time ago that inside of this crazy world that we live in, that that is, like, there's so many different ways, right, to, to, to live differently than this world, to, to live out Romans 12, 1 and 2. But that would be, like, I'm dumb enough on my own. I don't need alcohol to make me any dumber. Like, we don't need to pull out the video camera and let's watch Kent after he's drinking this beer. Like, like I may do that without the beer. Some of you that hang out with me quite often, you've seen how I drive or what. Like, I'm probably going to be just as crazy. Like, when we would drive around at Beach Reach, Beach Reach was taking college students to Panama City Beach in vans. And, and when we would pull up to pick up these college students, like, we had dance, dance music playing, and we would make them uh, dance before they would get in the car and just have a blast. Christina went. She knows we had a blast doing that back in the day. But, but we had more fun than the drunk people at Panama City Beach. And they, so many times, wanted to stay in our van in, in the 20 minutes that they were in a van with us. Man, one, we, we gave them sustenance, Krispy Kreme donut. Uh, we gave them water if they needed it, uh, hand sanitizer, a breath mint because their breath was kicking from all of the alcohol. Like one guy got in and he was just like burping and it was the horrible sound. And I remember Michael Beeson said, bro, what is up with you? He goes, uh, I ate a crab on the beach today. He goes, so you had crab at, at Sharky's? Like at the restaurant, he goes, no, live crab, walking on the beach, ate it. You're an idiot. Like, there, here's your sign, right? Go back in time to, to when here's your sign. Like, that was the thing back in the day. But, but here's the deal. That's one way. That's one way where me as a believer, myself as a pastor, that I can live a, a different lifestyle than the rest of the world and still show the watching world and I don't need that substance in my life to have fun. Why don't you smoke weed? Because I don't want to smell like a skunk. Like, there's more to it than that, but I really don't want to be involved and engaged in that kind of lifestyle. And Paul is saying the same thing. Like, as we, we as believers, the more uh, that we begin in our relationship with the Lord to take on more and more leadership, and I've shared this with Team 412 and our leaders who worked with students back in the day, we had a very strong policy of those who would work with our student ministry as far as no alcohol at all. Because 
I believed wholeheartedly that if, if we brought in our adults and those adults were highly engaged and involved in that kind of lifestyle, at some point in time, there's going to be some kind of line that gets crossed maybe with those students. And I, I didn't want to go down on that ship. So as my leadership rises, man, some of those freedoms that maybe I used to have, some of those get gone. Some of those I don't do anymore. I asked our students on a Wednesday night, I said, how many of you, if you walked into Chili's and, and you see me sitting at the bar and I'm throwing down a long neck beer or whatever, how many of you probably would not come back here next Wednesday night? Almost every hand in the room. You know, I know that a lot of their, their family probably drank alcohol or whatever, but, but they looked at me that it was a different thing for me. And so uh, I don't know how that affects or what that says to you as far as you drinking alcohol. It may be that you have something else where you have eliminated that from your life because you don't want to lead somebody down that wrong path. But sometimes those gray areas are the very things that get so fuzzy and cause people not to come. So point number one, if it's gray to us, as believers, church-going people, like if it's gray for us, if it's out of focus for us, then guess what? It's probably completely acceptable for most. Like if you don't know God's company line on these things and the rest of the world who does not come to church, who isn't spending time with the Lord on their own, who doesn't care about the things of God, then, then for the watching world that's out there, man, life is just a uh, life is a highway, I'm going to ride it all. Like, that's what it is for everybody, right? And so um, what, is, what does Jesus say about the way? He says, hey, that, that wide is the path that what? Leads to destruction, right? Wide, and, and there are millions of people that are on it. But narrow is the path that leads to life. And so if I can eliminate some of those things that maybe I, when I was wide on the highway that was leading to destruction, if I can begin to eliminate some of those things so that then they begin to come more into focus and see, okay, that a life that is lived for the Lord looks different maybe than a life that is not. And I think that's our goal as a church, as a body of believers, is that we would look more like Jesus Jesus, you know, and then you get the people, well, Jesus turned water into wine. Drink it up. Like, like I don't know that that was his, his parting gift inside of turning water into wine, but if that's your theological stance on it, I, I don't know that I'm going to change your attitude towards it, right? But you hear all of those things throughout all of the years, and you're like, well, if that's your, that's your green light and God says, hey, party it up, then I just can't sit there and look at it and go, well, that's why I drink wine, guys, because that was his first miracle. <laughs> and it must have been a good one because, man, he made it good. I, I don't know what your big thing is, but if it's gray to us, then we are probably leading a lot of people down the wrong path. How can we focus on the person more than the gray area? We focus on those things in our own lives. And we help them, and we begin to lead them, and we get, we get to point people to Jesus. Does that mean we're sticking the mud? No, I go back to Beach Reach all the time. We were having more fun than all of those students that were out there getting drunk, getting wasted. Like, we were a safe haven riding around on four wheels. And it was one of those situations where they were like, man, this is different. The one that always got me was the Christian in the group saying, man, I'm so glad y'all picked us up. Oh, man, will you preach to my friends? And I'm like, why do you want me to preach to your friends when you're going to go and preach something completely different? Whew. 
some of the harshest conversations I had were with the Christians who were in the groups that were just as drunk and just as whatever as everybody else in the group. Like, it's hard to lead people to Jesus when our lifestyle is completely alternative to that. Now, concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge don't you disagree with that? Like you see uh, in Vegas, I was like, man, all of these other hotels other than the one that we're in, like they must not have mirrors inside of them because they walked out of their hotel room dressed like, wow. Like we get to judge Judy, right? All of a sudden, like it's like we are better than the world. Like, and then we look at everybody else and we're like, bro, like I'm horrible at that. I don't go to Rangers games to watch the Rangers. I go to Rangers games to watch and at times make fun of people that are around me. Sometimes I go to Rangers games to feel better about my own life. Because you sit there and you're like, these people didn't come to the Rangers game for the Rangers game. Either. They came here to get lit. Like they are being so crazy. But for the most part, you wonder at times, are these people as smart as they pretend to be. And I'm sure Paul did too. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence. The reality of idolatry and pagan practices in his day were huge. Guess what? They're still huge today. There are things in all of the lives of the people that live in our neighborhoods. There may be some even inside of your own home. And for many of our teenagers, and they hate me even saying this, their phone has become that place where they worship. It has become that thing that robs them of so much life that is to be had outside of it. But they think, man, I can be anywhere that I want to be in this world. And all of a sudden, man, all of they're all hunched over their shoulders. They're going to be this at 50, right? Because they're always here. Oh, look at that. Like everything is here instead of here. So students, that's one way. That's one way when you go back to school that you can be different than this world. Unless you are using that social media as an outlet to be able to point people to Jesus. Think about that. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. Paul is trying to get them as quickly back to center as possible. Man, if we can keep the main thing the main thing, then some of these other things, we get to talk about those things. But, but I'm not ever going to come in and debate you on the existence of God. Like, we're not going to use our time in here to debate that. And, and Paul was doing the same thing. He said, we're not going to debate that big G God, our Heavenly Father, far outweighs any of your little G gods and your little L lords. Like, he trumps them all. And he has to give. Here's our baseline. For every decision that we're going to make from this point on, it's right here. God is God. God is who he says he is. God does not change. He doesn't change from circumstance to circumstance. He doesn't change from going to eighth grade in middle school to ninth grade in high school. He doesn't change. He is still a great God. And if he never does another good thing for us, here's the deal. He is still a great God. He is still a great God. And we need to continue to live our lives that way. Paul didn't beat around the bush. He said, our knowledge about it doesn't fix it. He's trying to tell them, hey, just you having knowledge about these things does not fix the problem. Some of you are like, man, I've got this biblical knowledge, like I grew up on it. Man, if all you do is sit on your biblical knowledge and you're not putting it into practice and if you're not helping others, what good is it to you? 
Puff up, puff up, puff up. Boy, look how smart I am. You're missing the mark on all of that. He called out idols for what they were, not real and for sure not God. What if we spent more time loving and helping people? Here's this quote. Instead of letting them know how smart we are and how not smart they are. What if we spent more time giving grace and not our made-up advice? Maybe believers would sound less like that noisy gong or that clanging cymbal that Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 13. And so often we become that, right, in this world. Like, like, and we don't show love. We don't give grace. What we talked about with students this morning about giving grace and, and forgiveness. Like, like when all we do is take our stand, like who are the people that aren't going to listen anymore because we took our very public stand on those things? Point number two, I don't know, maybe you're in here and some of you back in the day when Baptists decided they were going to boycott Disney or whatever the case may be. Did that affect Disney at all? Like it didn't. Like it really did begin to tarnish some of those those churches that, that were standing for those things. We went to Vegas one time on a mission trip, and there were this uh, group of people that were out there, and they had all of these signs, and they were uh, mad at all of the people in the crowds and all that kind of stuff, and God hates ankle biters. And I'm like, what's an ankle biter? I don't see any. I'm like, I don't either because I don't know what they are. Like all of these things and all of that group of people heard was how much God hated them. I mean, God doesn't hate us. He sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for us. And that became the way for us to be able to love this lost world. But we've got to keep the door open to be able to love on them. If an incomparable God is great to us, he's completely incomprehensible to those who aren't in church on Sunday, to those who do not know him. Like if he is great, if he is, uh, if he is fuzzy at all to us, then those who aren't in church today, those who haven't been in church in a while, he is going to be completely incomprehensible. But if anyone loves God, verse 3, he is known by God. For although there are many so-called gods in heaven or on earth, so many people are following whatever it is that they want to follow in their lives. Like whatever's easiest, right? Like whatever sounds great. I'll take a little piece of that. And, and I've seen a lot of our uh, former students, not a lot, but I've seen some of our former students, like they, they've got some of what they were taught back in the day and then they got some of what they were taught inside of the university and, and now they got some of this and whatever they picked up outside of that. And, and now this life is a mess because, because they didn't keep things clear. Like they let it get out of focus they forgot that God is who God says he is. They forgot that God is able to do what he says he can do. They forgot to tell the world that God loves them. Man, it's so easy how quickly we can jump out. John, our senior pastor to our study team said this, such a great comparison. Idols are there, but their power is not real. There is no power behind them, but our God is absolutely and unquestionably real in the center of all things. This is almost like a doxology and really emphasizes why God is so amazing. Because in verse 6 he says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. One Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. 
Paul is trying to say, hey, you were looking for power inside of your idol. You were looking for power inside of your little G, your little L, Lord, your little G, God. But the greatest power that is to be had is inside of a relationship with God, and it comes through Jesus Christ. What idols are set up in your life right now that are preaching a louder message of what you worship more than God? What are those idols that are in your life that are preaching to you and to the watching world that that is more important than who God is? Say, I don't live with you 24-7. I know the things that creep into my life and begin to rob me of my time. Uh, there haven't been a lot of those things uh, recently just with doing student ministry and trying to do north and trying to balance a lot of those things. But, man, when you get some of that downtime, alone time, like what... What are you spending your time doing? Because those may be the things that have become idols in your life. Anything that you do that you spend more time doing those things than the things that you know God wants you to be doing, those may be those kinds of things. Christianity Today gives seven modern-day idols that can be dangerous. Number one, work. Where does it rank on your priority list? Does it define you? Number two, success. How important is it to you that you are successful? Schoolwork, work work, family life, three, phones. How often do you check it? How much time do you spend on it? It drives me crazy when I'm having a conversation with someone. And as I'm looking at them eyeball to eyeball, all of a sudden their watch comes on and they're like... Do you show that you value people more than, than the other person that's in your phone trying to get a hold of you? Like this eye contact is way more important than trying to figure out what this is. Give these people time. The people that are closest to you, give them more time than the people that are in your phone or the people that are on your social media or the people that are, uh, that are out there somewhere. Give the people that are closest to you, the ones that want to have a conversation, the ones you know you need to have, like make that a priority. Uh, your image, fake book or Insta scam. Like, like those things for so many of us, like we put this facade on that our lives are beautiful and awesome and phenomenal. We don't post maybe a lot of the things that are going on that are horrible in our lives or that are tough in our lives. Insta-scam, like we are so obsessed with everybody else out there. We look at everybody else's life and we think they've got it together when they're just as fake as we are on our stuff. Materialism. Sex, modern day culture where it is glorified. Man, one wrong decision in it can end you. One wrong decision in a moment of seemingly pleasure could really and truly end a lot of the world as you knew it. One decision. We're all one decision away from our, our, our namesake being tainted. We're all one decision away from taking uh, this world down a, a dark path, down a, a path that God didn't intend. All of that for one second of pleasure. Uh, number seven, the one that feeds almost all of these, money. And in your struggle for money, has it become an idol for you? Because God is very black and white. Jesus taught more on money than a lot of other things. But Jesus said this in 624 of Matthew. He said, no one can serve two masters. He said, either you're going to hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. For either you cannot serve God and money. 
and you fill in the blank there, right? You can't serve God and there's a lot of other things that fill up our time. Those become the idols that are in our life. Point number three, and I'm done. If your knowledge doesn't help weaker believers or unbelievers spiritually, what good is that knowledge? And the knowledge that we've been given, what God has entrusted to you, Paul says, hey, man, we need to go and trust other people with that. If you've been given the gift of, uh, of teaching, you've been given a great story, uh, man, use that to teach others. I mentioned it last week, but, but to be able to have Clay and Lydia doing our Money Matters class, like if you missed out on that and you're still struggling with your money, like, like they shared their story and then taught how God can help you inside of your finances. They did that for eight weeks. If you're still struggling, the bank account is zero, there's nothing in savings, we as a church tried to help you. Maybe we'll roll back around and do that again, but at the end of the day, like if you need help, you got to jump into those moments and times, right? So if you've got a passion, you've got a, an opportunity to learn, man, teach other people if God has helped you through those things. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some through former association, they do these things. They eat the food that's offered to idols and their conscience being weak is defiled. If your knowledge does not help those people, your knowledge is not serving its purpose. It's not. If the watching world cannot see what Jesus looks like by the life that we are living, then what good was the knowledge to get you to that place where you were able to make that decision in the first place? Solomon, smartest man the Bible says that ever lived. Proverbs 18, 15, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Knowledge is used 159 times in Scripture. God holds all of it. It's a gift to us in Proverbs and in Psalm. Jesus became the embodiment of it in the New Testament. It sets us free in John 8. 2 Peter says it's part of our Christian maturity. If your search is human knowledge apart from God, it's all flawed. If it isn't tempered in love and used to help others, it ends in pride. And for a lot of people inside of churches, man... They take on a teaching role because of pride. They feel like they've gotten it all together. Man, you've got pastors at times in these big churches that, that had all of these things that were happening behind the scene. I pray that I never fall into some of those things and I use their life as a, as a testimony to say, I don't want to fall into those same kinds of traps. But how easy is it when we go in with pride and we go in with arrogance and we think we've got it all together that behind the scenes things begin to creep in and begin to tear at the fiber of our foundation. Don't let that happen to you. Don't let pride and arrogance puff you up. Solomon, again, in Ecclesiastes, and I applied my heart, 1, 17 through 18, and I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this is also uh, a striving after wind, for in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. And with all of our knowledge, Helping people in their questions should be a great goal for believers. Some of the broader topics that this right here, that this helps us with, unity within the church. And what we do, we should be doing it together. And what we do together should bring unity as a church. That's what Paul was trying to bring in, in hitting the gray areas, unity in the church, causing a weaker brother to stumble into sin. And we should not as the church be a part of that. 
And if, if you, as a, as a Christian, as a believer, you've got a firm grip on alcohol in your life, and you've got a brother-in-law, you've got a cousin or whatever, when you go to your family reunions and you jump into the same thing that's going on uh, around you, then all of a sudden, I believe that I would be leading that person down a path that I should not be doing as a believer. That's why I don't jump into it, because I don't want to condone it. I don't want to give my stamp of approval to go, yeah, Compromising with the world. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be no longer conforming to this crazy pattern that this world that we live in has, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Having the right to do something doesn't make it right for everyone. And as a believer, just because you have the right to do it, know your audience, know your own family, know your own kids. Like, is it okay for you to do that? Are your kids going to grow up just saying, hey, mom and dad do this, so it's okay. You've got to look at those gray areas. And then realizing everyone may not be on the same spiritual level as I am. Now, do not assume that when you jump into conversations that everybody's on the same level as you are spiritually. Those gray matters, they matter. Be able to talk about them, to be able to open the door wide, to be able to share Jesus with people. Hopefully I didn't offend anyone today with talking through maybe some of the gray things that are out there. But if you're here today with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you would say, man, Ken, there are so many things in my life that are so out of focus. And I have focused on, on these things over here, but now this area of my life is out of focus or this area of my life is out of focus. Could it be that today that maybe, just maybe, the biggest thing that's out of focus in your life is where you are spiritually. Have you placed all of your faith and all of your trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation? Because Jesus Christ, who willingly laid down his life, became the way, the truth, and the life in that moment, gave his life for you so that you could live the rest of your life for him. If you ever heard a pastor back in the day say, man, Jesus just wants your heart. No, Jesus wants all of you. And he calls you to live for him wholly, all of your life. He came that you may have life and have it abundantly, but that only happens when you trust him fully for it. So if you're here today and things have been out of focus, maybe it's because you've never made him Lord of your life. Maybe you allowed him to to, to be Savior, you understood that he came to die for your sins. But maybe you have not allowed him to be Lord. Because that means he's boss. That means he is the one that helps you in all areas of your life. If you're here today and you have not yet made him Savior and Lord. Chris Casey's over there. Rosemary's over there in our decision station. We would love nothing more than for you to be able to go over there and say, hey, Chris. Hey, Rosemary, I have not made Jesus my Lord and Savior, and I need help with that. We've got a Bible for you. We would love to point you in the right direction for what's next. We would love to, to, to talk to you about baptism, which is another great step. Maybe, maybe you got that part nailed down, but you have never followed through with baptism, and you're like, man, I just need that time, that dis defining moment to be able to say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and I'm not ashamed, and that's what baptism is. We would love to bring in a baptistry in here and give you that opportunity. Maybe you just need today to say, God, would you help me? I have put some things as idols in my life, and I need help. 
If you need someone to pray with you, they would love to do that over there as well. I'd love to talk to you if you need that. But whatever it is today that has taken the place of Jesus in your life, it's an idol. Call it what it is and allow Jesus to fix that area of your life. Allow those gray areas to be great opportunities to love people to Jesus. John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but of this world. So if we've set up those things to be areas in our lives where we have placed idols, allow God today to clean house of all of those things. God, today, we love you. We trust you. We ask that if there is anyone in here today who walked in and that they are not okay, that, God, you would allow them today to understand that you love them right where they're at. They don't have to clean up. They don't have to do better, get better. They don't have to fix everything before they can come to you. They can come to you just as they are. They can surrender their lives to you. They can throw their hands up in a moment to say, I can't do this my way anymore. They can then turn to you, Jesus, and what you did for them on the cross. They can give you their sins. Since you paid for them anyway, since you willingly died for them, today, Allow them to know that they don't have to carry that sin struggle anymore, that you will do that gladly for them. God, if there's idols that are in our lives, would you point us to the areas of our lives where we could eliminate those things and put you there? We could stop focusing on those things. We could stop uh, being about those things in our lives and be all on board with our yes on the table for the things that you have for us. Whatever it is that you need to do inside of this room today, I pray, God, that you would do it. And that as we move into this week, that you would give us a great opportunity to be able to speak and love people that are stuck in the gray, stuck in the, the fuzzy, the unclear, and give them some focus. And focus, his name is Jesus. And the beautiful thing about our lives is, Jesus, you give us the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom inside of those moments. God, we love you. Jesus, thank you for the price that you paid for us. Holy Spirit, thank you for being active in our lives. Be active this week. And give us all that we need to continue to pursue you daily. It's in your name that we pray it. Everybody said, amen. Hey.